Welcome to Spotlight, the Allison H. Larson Show. If you're ready for inspiration and tips to improve your life, hear what some of the fascinating minds of today have to say. Our hope is that you'll live your passion and inspire the world. And now, here is your host, Allison H. Larson. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to the Spotlight Show. Uh, I'm so glad that you are taking the time to join me today on, on the show. And as you know, something that I like to do is I bring on super successful people, uh, and maybe they've gone through a journey in life, and we like to hear about their journey. I pull out some golden nuggets that we can learn from, because there's two ways you can learn, counsel or consequence. I'd rather uh, learn from somebody else's counsel. And then, of course, we'll hear what they're doing to transform the world. Today's guest, uh, Ross Remian. I am amazed by Ross. He has been through quite the journey. He struggled with addictions himself. And then he figured out that this 12-step program really wasn't working for people. The success rate wasn't that high. And he said, well, hey, how can I help other people that are struggling with addictions? And he is having amazing success rates. So I asked him to come on, share a little bit about his journey and also what he's doing to help other people. Because, you know, whether whether we even realize it or not, I think a lot of us struggle with addictions. Now, you know, of course, you can think of drug and alcohol addictions. Uh, there's sex addictions. There's addictions to sugar, uh, addictions to TV. I mean, there are so many different kinds of addictions. And I think all of us are either affected uh, by an addiction or have a family member or a friend who is, um, you know, my my story, I had a cousin pass away a couple years ago um, from he lost his battle, his addiction to alcohol. And, um, you know, so, so this is something that's near and dear to my heart. So, uh, Ross, are you there? Yeah, I am, I am. Oh, great. Well, welcome to our show today. So, Ross, one thing that I like to do, too, is I love to give my guests permission to brag. I hate reading bios, and uh, I know you've had a lot of accomplishments in your life, and I just want to give you permission to brag a little bit about some of those accomplishments um, and, and tell tell the audience what you've done in your life. So, uh, no, I, go ahead I, I and brag. Appreciate bragging. <laughs> I, I, yeah, I appreciate bragging about myself. Yeah. My number one thing, my wife will say, will back me up. Um, no, I um, I guess my claim to fame was is that I'm an $1,800 a day crackhead. Um, that was, um, you know, I don't like to tell too many war stories, but um, that's what I was, $1,800 a day of smoking crack cocaine. Wow. Um, and that's what kind of started this whole thing. Um, my whole, the last 10 years of my life have just been a total, um, I'll be honest with you, a total blessing. Um, the best thing that ever happened to me was that I was an $1,800 a day um, cocaine user. And what's happened in the last 10 years is um, I went through treatment. Um, I went through treatment a lot. Um, and I went through almost, uh, I call it eight and a half times. And then I, the last time I went through it, something different clicked for me. And what happened was is, I just, I really found out how in the way I was with everything in my life. Wow. And slowly but surely as I got sober, um, I, I, I got a job in this industry like immediately uh, getting out of treatment. I was a landscaper. Um, I cut the lawn of the treatment center that I went to, and I slowly worked my way up the ladder um, in the whole industry. So I've literally done every job in the industry. Mm-hmm. And then at about um, a year and a half of sobriety, I went to school. So after landscaping, I went to school at UCLA, became a chemical dependency counselor, um, started doing, um, you know, sessions with people, um, one-on-one sessions, group lectures, you name it. 
um, working at different treatment centers. I finally got a little bit of a name for myself, and I was getting people from all over the world asking me to help them from Moscow, Taipei, Shanghai, Guam, Sydney, Australia, you name it, just doing Skype sessions, helping people get sober. Um, and, one, and I was helping not just like 20-year-olds and 30-year-olds, 30, 30 I was helping big business uh, people, men and women, because how I would relate sobriety to them, how to get sober. Mm-hmm. A lot of people get stuck on verbiage in this world, no matter the subject. So in 12 Steps, a lot of people get stuck on language. The God thing freaks 90% of the people out, yeah. um, being helpless, surrendering, just verbiage. They get stuck on adjectives. So I would always talk to these big business guys um, and women by, I would break their sobriety down just like a business. I would tell them that they are spiritually bankrupt as opposed to financially bankrupt. Wow. And they would be able to relate the two of them because the same way you get yourself out of financial bankruptcy is the same way you get yourself out of spiritual bankruptcy. Right. And the goal for them was to become spiritually profitable when they worked with me. And spirituality has nothing to really to do with God. It's more or less each person, man or woman, finding their own personal rhythm in this world. Yeah, um, I, I so definitely, it, definitely agree with that. So let me let me ask you a couple of questions, Ross, and I, mm-hmm. I'm just going to ask your permission to, to interrupt you because I'm taking so many uh, nuggets out of this, and I have, I have a couple of questions for you. I want to explore and dive a little bit deeper on some of these, but first of all, um, and we're going to go more into your story, even more in depth into what you've done, how you've helped people, but how many people to date have you helped to win the battle with addiction? I, I don't know the exact number, but I've been doing this for almost, I've been sober for 10 years, but I've been working one-on-one with clients for about nine of it. Um, so it's got to be thousands. Yeah. Um, you know, different places, different ages, races, all over the world. Well, it, it, you know, here, here's my question to you. I mean, I'm listening to you, and you said that you were an $1,800 a day crackhead. Now, uh, Ross, can you can you explain this a little bit? Because that's a lot of money. What what happened? <laughs> how did you how did you get the money to be able to to do that? And uh, you know what what got you into all of that? Yeah, it the money came from when I got so I, one of the times when I got sober, I moved up to Lake Tahoe and I was living on the Nevada side. Mm-hmm. And right around um, about twenty seven, twenty eight years old, my dad died a long time ago, back in the late eighties, and he had left me some money that I was going to be able to get a hold of. Right. And it was that's what happened. When I turned twenty seven. You know, I dabbled in drugs and had some fun with drugs before. You know, I call it going to college and, you know, high school. And it it definitely was starting to become a problem, obviously, because I went to, into treatment for it. But once that, once I had my 27th or 28th birthday, I can't remember what it was, I got, I got too much money. Um, mm-hmm. I was given access to too much money. I was not mature enough to comprehend what this amount of money meant or how to respect it. And I just, I blew it out. Um, I just went absolutely bananas. You know, that's uh, a, that, this is a, an interesting point, and it's a golden nugget that I want to take from this and kind of point out, too, is that, uh, you know, 
it's just learning that responsibility with money and the power of respect. And I love what you said just now about um, how you respect uh, or how you didn't respect money. And uh, wondering, do you respect money now? Is that something that uh, you, you you had to learn how to do? And if so, um, what was the what was the one thing that helped you learn how to do that? You know, I, it was definitely one of the things I had to learn. When I got sober, um, it quickly realized that the drugs, even though I was an $1,800 a day drug user, I quickly realized that the drugs were only about 10% of my actual issue. Money was another issue. I mm. literally thought it was the root of all of my evil. Um, wow. I was so over it, and I was, but I just, what I realized was, you cannot, you know, the love, money is not the root of evil. The love of money is the root of evil. Right. You know, how you love it is, it's just like any other relationship with a man or a woman or anything in this world. You have to understand what it is and and how to go about it. Um, it it's, so I, lo- I had to really learn that. I had to learn that I can get by with an extra, you know, I had a 12, when I got out of treatment, one of my things was, is I got a $12 an hour job. I was a landscaper and I realized at the end of my paycheck, I had an extra between 15 and $20 left over. Like Mm -hmm. that was my free spending money. Um, every two weeks, 15 or 20 bucks. That's what I had. Um, after food and gas and all that. So I really learned what I needed in this world. Um, and just to save and to really realize, you know, Part of growing up with that type of money, you just you think it just grows on trees, and man, you can go through it real quick. Yeah. So, what um, would you what would you tell somebody who's trying to teach their child or trying to uh, pass along to somebody that they love about respecting money? What was what What is the one piece of advice you'd give them? I think start early. Mm-hmm. You know, you start very very early, and you watch you watch how people do things. So, really teach your kids what money is you know having a checking account as a young kid is not really a big deal they have to learn how to balance it they have to learn how to save x amount of percentage of their paycheck each and every week that goes for future use um really understanding how it is and you correct them the same way you would correct them on just manners Mm -hmm. um there's money manners um there's table manners it's the same type of a thing and granted you know when you could grow up i grew up with a I grew up in a very blessed family, I like to say. And, you know, for some reason, my brothers and sisters, they grasped that. I, I didn't. I don't know why I missed that train. Um, just, they, just took they, you a while they, to learn it. Yeah, it took a while. They they grew up a little classier than I did. <laughs> well, um, just manner, manner-wise, yeah. that's for sure. Well, you know, and, and that's interesting, uh, bringing, you know, the money thing into it and how that, that affected, uh, you know, the, the, the drug use and things. And, you know, it's always been my personal belief, and I've had other family members struggle with addictions, too, that sometimes it's the most sensitive people in the world or the people that, you know, have the biggest heart sometimes turn to addictions because, you know, life is painful or hard or anything something like that. Did you find that that was true for you? Was the, the addiction some kind of escape for you? I think the, it wasn't a, an escape. I got into addiction. I, well, I got into drug use, into drinking early in high school simply because I wanted to hang out with a different type of crowd. Mm-hmm. I want to hang out with those girls and those guys and go to those parties. And I sold myself out as a young adult, which most of us do. We're just... You know, we don't even know we're falling for peer pressure. We fall 
for the peer pressure of ourselves, not of our, not the people around us. It's not like go, or, you know, go and drink. You know, you got to do this. Mm-hmm. That's what was going on in my head. So I sold myself out constantly, um, and I realized that when I went through my last treatment center was how I how I looked at all my relapses every single time, no matter what age, I was folding, always oh, folding, always always giving up. Um, never walking my own path. I had to have this cocktail in order to be able to hang out with these people. It was just, it was straight up insecurities. Wow. You know, the people that sit by barbecues are always like, I have to have a beer and grill out with all my guys, you know? And it's like, (laughs) why do you have to do that? Why do you have to have a glass of champagne at your wedding? It just, it doesn't add up. So, so what would you tell somebody, Ross, or maybe, maybe this is a better way to wear the question. What would you go back and tell your younger self in those high school years when you were making those decisions, when you said, hey, I want to hang out with these people, and so I'm going to do this to be with them? What, what advice would you give yourself to avoid that situation? You know, what I would tell my younger self was, is hold on. Like, and really, re- just hold on. Just, just hold on to what you think is right or wrong and really, like, think it out of what there is. You, I could have had both worlds. I could have gone and hung out with those people. Nobody was pressuring me to do anything. Mm. I could have definitely been there. I, could have, I had a lot of friends that were able to do that. They, just, they didn't drink. They didn't smoke weed. They didn't do any of that stuff. They just hung out and had a great time. I would have just told myself to hold on. Like, listen, you can do this without this. I do it. There's plenty other topics and subjects in my life that I don't do as everybody else does, yeah. and I get away with it. So, so I think that was the biggest thing. Okay, so maybe, you know, I'm just trying to articulate this a little bit. So maybe it's just determining from a young age, you know, what you're going to do and what you're not going to do, and just to have that conviction and stick to that and realize that sometimes it's not either you get to be cool and you do this stuff or you're not cool and you don't do this stuff. You can you can be cool. You can hang out with these people and you don't need to do that. Um, you know, and recently I heard something interesting, Ross, and I just wanted to point this out. I heard, I was reading an article and I think it was in Time or some kind of magazine, but uh, it said that there's, oh, you know what? It was Psychology Today. And the whole point of the article was sometimes we tell ourselves we can't do something like, oh, I can't do drugs or I can't smoke or I can't do that my and when we say can't it always is because of something so I can't do this because uh, my parents don't want me to or because this or because that and and that can't really is a restrictive phrase but if we say to ourselves I don't do something it makes it part of your identity rather than feeling restricted when by using the word can't when you say well I don't do drugs or I don't uh, you know drink alcohol or I don't uh, smoke weed or wh- whatever it is that makes it part of your identity and as you express that to people I don't do this they see that well you know uh, there's Ross and he doesn't do that that's part of his identity so I thought that was interesting I don't know if that made 100%. as much sense when I said it out loud as it, it normally does but just that small shift from hey I can't do this to I don't do this it makes it part of your identity so that's it's verbiage so, yeah that's really it's just really verbiage the same way it's mm-hmm. I mean you remember back in high school if your if your parents went out of town and they said you can't have a party right. you are literally gonna have the yeah, biggest exactly. party that school's ever seen in your life <laughs> I mean it's just what you do yeah yeah and it's the same true. thing with oh I can't have ice cream I can't have this when you're trying to lose it <laughs> I always tell people don't tell yourself you can't drink for the rest of your life. Just say, you know what, I'm putting it on hold for a while. You can always go back there, but it takes the pressure off, keeps the back talk down in your head. You're not making such a drastic thing, but it's all 
verbiage. We are such victims to verbiage that we yeah. give ourselves. Well, you know, another interesting thing is I choose not to. I remember, uh, you know, growing up, I grew up in very religious culture and, you know, I made some some bad choices that, you know, weren't necessarily, um, you know, approved by uh, my parents or my church or things. But I, I used to, I remember, um, you know, somebody saying to me one time at a party or overhearing somebody say to somebody else, they said, well, oh, she doesn't drink. And the girl said, well, it's not that I don't drink. She said, I can I can do whatever I want. Or, or they said she can't drink. She said, it's not that I can't drink. It's that I choose not to. I can do whatever I want. And I thought that was interesting, too. Again, that just kind of puts the ball in your court, um, puts, you know, power in your field, not feeling like, you know, you have this peer pressure. It's something that you're choosing to do. So, so very interesting. Uh, and, and Ross, you know, we have to go to commercial break here in about two minutes but there's one other thing that I wanted to talk about with your journey first and then after commercial break I want to talk more about what you're doing to other you know for other people how are you teaching them to overcome these addictions um, what you're really doing in your programs but before we do that you said you went through rehab eight and a half times so obviously you've been repeatedly through and through and through again what was the breakthrough that you have what was the thing that finally taught you and and you said okay i'm done uh, this i i'm i'm not going to struggle with this addiction anymore what what was that there was two things number one um i never i always tried to find i knew i had a drug issue from the first treatment center i went to i knew that was a problem um but i always you know, and later on, when I would relapse, um, I would always only do 50 to 90% of what the treatment center told me to do. Then at the end of it, what finally got me to switch was, is I had two events that happened to me in my last week of drug use. I went, um, I got in, I had a really bad Monday and then I didn't think my life could get any worse. I thought I really hit bottom. And then on Wednesday it did get worse. I went to jail mm-hmm. and that was when I realized that there is no such thing as bottom. Um, uh, bottom is death. So I realized, you know what, it can, it can always get better. Just like it can always get, can get worse. Just like it can always get better. Um, number two is when I went into treatment, I realized that my head was a hundred percent full of BS and I cannot (laughs) trust a single thing that comes into my head anymore. And I was just, you know, when I realized that you, it always can get worse. I really realized that, you know what, my head is just lying to me right now. It's telling me everything is okay when it really isn't. Mm So wow, um, that, that was a lot, that that's what sparked it and then turned into thousands of conversations and thousands of exploratory moments for myself in journaling and writing and really reinventing who I was not reinventing but becoming who I was meant to be wow. and also accepting what I had done in my past and realizing that being an $1800 a day drug addict was probably the best thing that ever happened to me. Wow, that's I want to I want to I want to start up with that when we come back. How realizing that an eighteen hundred dollar a day crackhead was the best thing that ever happened to you? Uh, I love the one nugget I pulled out of that piece, Ross, was just that realization. And and I think realization or recognition, if we don't really realize that we have a problem or recognize it as a problem um, that's really affecting us and could cause us to hit rock bottom or to keep going down, we really can't move forward. So thank you for sharing that. So excited to to uh, hear uh, more about your story and get more tips from you coming up with Ross Remian we'll be right back everybody be sure to friend us on Facebook you can do it right now visit facebook.com forward slash voice America or search for us at keyword voice America 
I'm busy and so is my family. Leftover pizza and unhealthy takeout isn't really doing it for us anymore. Just ask my bathroom scale. That all changed when I found Freshly. For less than $10 a meal, Freshly delivers six meals a week, always fresh, never frozen, prepared by top chefs and nutritionists using the best, freshest, gluten-free ingredients. The best part is the menu is always new and fresh, just like the food, and it only takes three minutes for me to prepare breakfast, lunch, or dinner, and there's no messy cleanup and no dishes. My family loves the choices and the taste and freshly delivers to my home and my office so I eat healthy all day every day. If you're tired of the same old cardboard delivery and takeout, try out Freshly.com today and save $20 on your first order using coupon code VAH639 at Freshly.com. Your taste buds and your scale will thank you. So save 20 bucks today with coupon code VAH639 at Freshly.com. You have a message. You want to share that message. You want it to be social, to go viral, and spread across the planet. But how do you get started? Tune into Amplify, featuring host Ken Roshan. This show is here to help you take that message and channel it through the most effective marketing techniques to not only be successful, but have a positive impact on the world. Tune in live Monday at 8 a.m. Pacific Time and 11 a.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Influencers Channel and get amplified. Change starts here. Change starts now. Join us, the Voice America Influencers Channel. You're tuned in to Spotlight, the Allison H. Larson Show. To find out more about Allison and our program, please visit soulintuition.com. Again, that's soulintuition.com. Now back to Spotlight. Here is Allison H. Larson. Welcome back to Spotlight. Today I have with me Ross Remy. And if you're just joining us, Ross was an $1,800 a day crackhead who uh, transformed his life and is now helping other people to overcome their addictions. He's, uh, you know, breaking through the barriers of the traditional 12-step program, which has a very low success rate um, and really uh, has a much higher success rate with his clients. So, Ross, you said something before break that I have to go back to. And this was so intriguing to me. You said you learned that being an $1,800 a day crackhead was the best thing that ever happened to you. So uh, could you elaborate on that a little more? You know, if I wasn't an $1,800 a day crackhead, I wouldn't be on your radio show right now, Allison. That's the bottom line. Um, it opened up. I wouldn't have met my wife. I wouldn't, um, got, I wouldn't have gotten a job. I wouldn't have gotten a career. Um, I wouldn't have the treatment center that I um, own in Los Angeles right now. Um, I wouldn't have had the, the last 10 years my mom was alive. It was actually, it was absolutely magical. Um, there, I, the list goes on and on and on. We need to really understand that no matter the good things in this world or the bad, or the good, bad things in this world, so wedding days or, mm-hmm. uh, God forbid, God forbid, but rape, you know, I'm sorry, I was trying to think of the gnarliest thing, you know, that I hear on a regular basis. People need to realize that they're equal. Your wedding day is as equal to your worst nightmare wow. because they are chapters in your book. You have to understand that. I'm a very good friends with a Holocaust survivor. He's 95 years old. He literally worked in the crematoriums and in, in the ovens. And he literally told me that when he, he escaped from Auschwitz, mm-hmm. um, well, not escaped, he was liberated from Auschwitz by the Russians, and he literally said, 
and this is just puts so much truth behind it. I told him, I said to him, how did you get over that? He goes, I've tried dating. I've, he goes, the amount of girls I've been through, the amount of drugs I've been through, the doctors. It wasn't until that I truly accepted that this is part of my life story that the nightmares finally started ending. Wow. And I always tell people that it's the same thing with your life. Family members want you to be want you to be shamed, and they're embarrassed by what you did in the past. And they, and, you know, drug counselors and treatment centers, you know, they're going to say, you know, you should be terrified of not to be who you were. Yes, you should, but you should also realize, you know, what that's your story, whether you want it or not. It's like somebody losing a limb, um, it, whether it's in an accident or in a war zone. You know, it's part of you know, you don't have an arm anymore. That's your story, everything, you lose your hair, you have hair. I mean, everything is part of you. And you know what? That's how my life unfolded. And yeah. it turned out to be, it wasn't the plan that I had when I was 12 years old looking forward in life. I thought I would be working for my family. I thought I would have a family of my own, kids and this and that. I'd be living in the Chicagoland area where I'm born <laughs> and raised, blah, blah, blah. You know what? Just because that's not what I wanted doesn't mean that's that's, apparently, that's not what the universe had for me. The universe had for me that I had right. to get my butt kicked out in the field, like I like to say, and had to learn a lot and kind of reinvent how people get sober. Well, you uh, know, how people. Yeah, I, you know, I totally, I, I wanted to add a few thoughts on this, Ross, because you're right. And somebody said to me the other day, they said, you know, Allison, I've realized the people that are great leaders and great teachers and great gurus have gone through this darkness and they've had all these hard things happen to them. So does that mean I have to have hard things happen to me to become a great leader? And I said, everything that's happening in your life leads you towards the ability to be a leader. It just depends on what you do with that. And just a real quick story here, Ross, that I, I wanted to tell because this is exactly what you're talking about. And uh, I wanted to share something from my life that happened that that proves your point. And then want to hear some more about you know how you help your clients. And I think part of it is helping them realize that they're having these experiences and it's part of the chapters in their life. Um, I, had a bro- I have a brother who in his younger years struggled with uh, a drug and alcohol. And and um, he actually, in his early 20s, so it, he and I are very close, um, but in his early 20s, he was living in California, and he got cancer. And uh, my my parents just were devastated. And because of insurance and things, they lived in Idaho. He lived in California. And they would have to travel back and forth to help him. I, it was you know pretty bad for a while. He was in hospitals. Um, he, he ended up having to move back to Idaho to live with them. He, he basically got over the cancer and was cancer free for about 10 years. And one day I was sitting in the kitchen with my mom and my brother. And my mom was saying to my brother, you know, the, the worst thing that ever has happened to me as a parent was almost losing you to cancer. She's like, I was, I've been so angry at God and the universe uh, because they had, you know, I had to go through almost losing you to cancer. And I remember he looked her straight in the eye and he said, mom, cancer didn't kill me, almost kill me. It saved me. And she said, what do you mean? And he said, what you don't know is I was in a gang and I was <laughs> into some pretty bad stuff. And he said, really, the only way out of the gang was either to be killed or to get cancer, to get an illness, yep. a terminal illness. And he said, you don't understand if he said, I, I'm sure I would be dead today had I not got cancer. My brother's doing great today. You know, he's inspiring well, lots of people. Exactly, exactly. And, you know, um, I think that, you know, look at, and my mom said, totally changed her perspective on the whole situation. She said every night she thanks God 
every night that my brother got cancer now and uh, where she was angry about it for 10 years. So I think it is learning and looking at that perspective and realizing that there's there's chapters in our life. So I, I appreciate you uh, sharing that and bringing that up to, to people. So is that one of the things that you tell your clients that are struggling? Uh, how do you, uh, how or why are the things that you talk about so effective where other programs lack? Well, I, I think the biggest thing is, first and foremost, I, I'm not against 12-step. I'm actually a 12-step kind of a guy. I'm actually doing okay. my steps again right now. What my biggest complaint is is the delivery of it. No matter what, any, mm-hmm. there's so many great things in this world, but the way that they are delivered to people is just, to me, is atrocious. Um, people need, people hear things differently all over the place. And it's just like in school. Not everybody can go to school and just sit in a classroom and just, you know, watch a teacher write on the board and they're just all going to be straight A students and go on to four year, year colleges and blah, blah, blah. People have learning disabilities. People hear things different. Mm-hmm. Some people are visual. Some people write, you know, and that's how I look at people. And I didn't really learn how to read or write very well until about high school. And I always had tutors in my life. And so when I started doing treatment, I really realized that one-on-one counseling is so big, especially when you're talking about trauma, um, anxieties, depression, uh, all the family issues, a lot of very embarrassing, a lot of shameful topics. So in every treatment center that I always went to, it was always these big groups, and you're supposed to open up in these groups and get the attention you need. That didn't make sense to me. I, when I used to be a ski instructor, I would be able to I'd take a group of 10 people out. It would take me two days to teach a group of 10 what it would take me half a day to teach a private lesson. The same type of a thing. You get more, more one-on-one, the better. You have somebody that can guide you through this world. So that's the number one thing, one-on-one counseling. Number two, specialties. This just isn't drugs and alcohol. Every treatment center I went to had a drug and alcohol counselor as my main counselor. There's psychotherapy that needs to be done. There's, there is drug and alcohol counseling. There's spiritual counseling. There's case management that needs to be done with so you can help find a job, write resumes, become a productive person in society. Those type of, you know, how to transfer college credits, opening up mail, organizing your mail, organizing your bills. I mean, everything. We do drugs because of emotions. We eat because of emotions. We get in shape, get our beach bodies because of emotions. So we have to realize that treating drug and alcohol addiction, treating any addiction is fueled by emotions. Emotions come first. Emotions make us want to have two cheeseburgers for lunch as opposed to one. Emotions make me want to, you know, drink until until my eyes float out of my head, want me to do cocaine. (laughs) That's what it is. Emotions make people relapse. So every treatment center I went to, we never were, it was always talking about physical places that made people relapse. No, 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 no. We got to talk about the emotions that get us to go to physical places that get us to go to have a cocktail at those places. Yeah, you know, it's so, it's very interesting. I mean, it's the same in sales. I do a lot in sales and I speak to, uh, you know, large groups on sales and networking and things. It's the same thing. And it comes back down to you can try and reason with somebody all day. You can use the left brain logic. You can say, I, I mean, just just think about this. And, and it's important to know those things, but to be educated. But how many kids know that drugs are bad for you, that smoking, you know, 
know, can cause lung cancer, that alcohol can cause liver, whatever, you know, we, we know this, this is common knowledge, but why do people do it? You know, it's the same thing with eating right. I, I did personal training for years and it was like nobody that I worked with didn't understand that what they were eating wasn't healthy or that they were overeating. They all knew that they were, but their emotional need to do it and the, the benefits and payoffs that they got from overeating or the benefits and payoffs from the drug or the alcohol or whatever it is that we're doing, those benefits emotionally had a greater payoff. So it is figuring out, you know, what are those emotions that we need to reprogram? And a great thing, and this has helped me so much in life and not only in sales, there's a, a something, a TED talk done by Simon Sinek called The Golden Circle. And he talks about how people make decisions based on the emotional part of their brain. So what you're saying really rings true to me. And I love that you're you're working one-on-one with people and, and finding out what their individual needs are. It, it, you know, it's the same in sales. It's the same as a parent. It's the same in life. You know, we all have different things that motivate us and different emotions and different factors. And if you try and lump everybody into a one-size-fits-all program, it's not going to be as effective because you can't address those individual issues. So I, I love that you're you're working one-on-one with people. Yep. Emotions are everything. <laughs> Love that. Okay. So tell, tell us, Russ. So people that are writing this down, step number one was? Step number one is you've got to really understand your emotions and what's feeling you. You have to know that. You have to know what that is. Why do you do what you do? What, where does it get you? What does it, what does the need is? So you have to really understand that. And then, the next thing that, that's so important to do is once you realize, like, this is why I need to do this, and this that's not easy because you're going to have to call yourself out on all this. So I should probably say step one is are you ready to turn yourself inside out and really call yourself out because you've got to, you're going to have to literally call yourself out and get rid of your ego and just, you know, buckle down here for a hot minute. So number one, Ask yourself, do you really want to make a change in your life, no matter what it is? Number two, find out why you do what you do. And the sense of finding out is like, when do I do this stuff? Why do I, when do I drink? When do I overeat? When do I use sex? And you're going to start seeing a lot of similarities. And they're going to be social events, lonely times, depressed times, maybe high times. Like you're feeling really happy and you're just trying to be happier, you know? Um, that's the next thing. Um, those are the first two steps. If you can just do those for right now, then that that unfolds into a thousand other places of where it can go. But that's just to get you in the door, period. Just figure out what those two things are. But I'll tell you this right now, Allison, and this goes for anything. I don't care who you are in this world. If your ego is not in check, if you are not willing to eat some crow and to call yourself out on BS at least three times a day, you won't have any success, whether it's in business, relationship. You're not going to have a good time with your dog. I mean, you and your goldfish are going to be in fights. I mean, that's just how it is. That's so true. You have to get your ego. It's it's everything. And honest to God, I would not be successful right now unless that one day where I was like, I am so full of it. I literally didn't talk for three weeks until only to my counselors. Because I realized that if you lived in a three-bedroom house, I just told you I lived in a four just because. Insecurities. 
I, um, it's, it's just everything. Yeah, well, you um, know, and, and Penny's commenting here on, on face uh, Facebook here, you know, humble, um, had Joy talking before about trigger. So I appreciate everybody chiming in. But it really is about humility. And, you know, Ross, I've experienced a lot of success in business. And it wasn't until I really humbled myself and had to admit I really don't know as much as I, I want to know or I think I know or and I would like to know. And it, it, There's nothing wrong with it. In fact, I learned so much more when I could go. You, ha- you have to go to the right people, though. You have to go to people that really can teach you. But it's it, the term I like to say is you have to be teachable. If, you're, if you want to grow in life, if you're wanting to progress and move forward, then you're going to be constantly learning new things. You're going to be constantly working on things. And that means that you have to admit that there's things that you don't know you have to admit that there maybe there's some things you could be doing better so I love it it wastes time time when you don't do that it's like if you go to a different city you don't just try to figure out where to go eat because you're going to have a bad meal you go ask the concierge the front desk where where do I get a good burger in this town Mm -hmm. where's the best sushi restaurant don't waste time in this world we spend so much time walking in circles just say hey I don't get it how do we do this you're going (laughs) to get to your success so much quicker but yeah. We have, oh, it just drives me nuts. Yeah. Well, it, it's it's hard too because you, in order to say that there's something you you want to learn, maybe you have to admit there's something you don't know, or you have to admit there's something you've been doing that's wrong, and that can be kind of hard to do. So, Ross, before our next commercial break, I I would really, and I know you know things are sensitive. I don't want any names. Maybe you can't share, but I would love to hear just briefly in the next couple minutes a success story that you've had with somebody that you've worked with, maybe how they've turned their life around. Uh, is there is there a story that you feel comfortable sharing, or if you feel like you could share with us on air? You know, not using names. You know, I have I have so many success stories. I mean, I have pulled. Uh, I mean, there's a lot of my colleagues in this industry that are just burnt out people. I've got you know, I've dealt with rock stars. I've dealt with um, pro athletes. I mean, the success stories. It's just through the roof of what can happen. I know a girl that literally was stuck in a hotel room. You know, day after day, she picked her whole, like, literally physically picked her whole body bloody. I mean, just bloody, just from meth use. Um, You know, just doing way too many things she shouldn't be doing. Now she's a fully functioning adult. She literally is getting her new car. She's three years sober now. She's got a great boyfriend. Um, She's just moving up the ladder. I've got people that I have in my, that work in my company that have been former clients literally have nothing. I mean, no family, no nothing, don't want to deal with them. They slowly work up the ladder in our company. And I think, you know, a lot of the administrators in my, in my, my company now, I think probably over half of them are former clients yeah. that just do, you know, slow and steady things. I've got former pro um, athletes that their only identity was sports and they've got hundreds of millions of dollars, you know, tens of millions of dollars. And that doesn't mean to make them any happier. They had to reinvent themselves after they retired. Yeah, you so, know, I just got the chills when you when you said that because here here's what I'm a strong believer in is, you know, everybody has the potential to become something greater. And it's when you can see that potential and when others can see that potential and recognize that in you that you really step up to the plate. So I think that's you what you've helped others do. specialties in this world, too. Mm-hmm. Just because you're an athlete doesn't mean that's your only uh, specialty in this world. Mm. Just because you were a mom, that's not your only specialty. That was a chapter in your life. 
next chapter. That's a good. That's a good thing you. to point out because that's another. That's another reason why people struggle with addictions. They feel like their identity has been taken away, or you know, if you have oh, this no. athlete and they they make that their whole identity and they get hurt, you know, that then it's gone. Who are they? Or you know, if you're a mother and all your kids grow up and you're an empty nester now, you know, what's your identity? Who are you? So I love that you brought that up, Ross. I'm getting so many wonderful things out of talking with you today. I so appreciate the journey that you've been on and your willingness to share with others. We're going to go to commercial now, but when we come back, I know there's a lot of people out there. They're joining me on Facebook. I'm seeing comments. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm getting getting seen texts come through saying, hey, how can we work with this guy? How can we get a hold of him? Uh, where are his materials? What, what does he have out there? So we're going to talk more about that when we uh, come back. So more with Ross Remin here in a minute. Think you've seen everything there is to see in online television? Let us surprise you. Visit voiceamerica.tv today for sports, health, business, and more on demand 24-7. Life is complicated and sometimes we all need a little help, but don't have the time for a full hour-long session or don't know who to turn to. That's where BetterHelp comes into play. With BetterHelp, I can get matched with one of over 2,500 licensed and approved counselors and therapists and get help anytime, anywhere, totally private. For a flat weekly fee starting at $35, I can connect with my counselor via text, chat, video conference, or phone, which is great for me because I'm always on the go. And I can go back to previous sessions whenever I want through my secure account from anywhere in the world. It's a great feeling to know that help is there, affordable, private, and convenient to my schedule. We all can use a little help. Help. Visit BetterHelp.com forward slash VA Health and register for free. You can try it for seven days without being charged on your credit card and get matched with a licensed counselor usually within 24 hours. Get BetterHelp today at BetterHelp.com forward slash VA Health. It's time to elevate yourself and your business to the next level. What are the secrets of business success? Discover them on Key Entrepreneurs of Influence with your host, Kieran Sweeney. Find out who the business owners are that stand out in their respective industries and what they can teach you. The program contains valuable advice that can cost thousands through a professional consultant. Key Entrepreneurs of Influence can be heard every Tuesday at 9 a.m. Pacific Time, noon Eastern time on the Voice America Influencers Channel. This is the Voice America Influencers Channel. Be inspired. You're tuned in to Spotlight, the Allison H. Larson Show. To find out more about Allison and our program, please visit soulintuition.com. Again, that's soulintuition.com. Now back to Spotlight. Here is Allison H. Larson. Welcome back. I'm here today with Ross Remian. Uh, if you're just joining us, Ross is sharing some really powerful information on how to overcome addictions. And one of the things he specializes is working one-on-one with people. Ross, you gave us two powerful steps uh, before we went to break. Hopefully everybody wrote those down. Um, just to recap, step number one is really to be ready for a shift in your life, for a butt kicking, I think is what you said. And then uh, number two is to really recognize the emotional triggers or the things that um, set you off that, that you know, happen 
to uh, to to cause you to turn to that addiction. So you also have a third step, though, and this one may come a little bit later down down the line, but I think it's worth mentioning. Uh, what's the third step towards uh, overcoming addiction? Yeah, after step two, when you really start diving into the stuff, you're going to have a lot of sorting to do. So it's kind of like, you know, before you sell your house, mm-hmm. you know, you got to decide you want to sell your house. you got to decide that this is going to be kind of a gut-wrenching thing, and then you go through all the boxes and all the bedrooms. Well, it's the same thing with your body, with your mind, with your soul. You really got to go through all the places and really kind of call yourself out and do some house cleaning, get rid of a lot of baggage that you've gained over the years and the decades. Once you clean that out and once you organize all those stuff and you, you, you realize what you want to keep so that this doesn't happen again, and this goes the same way for, a, for owning a business, you have to come up with three to five things now that define who you are. And these three to five things are unnegotiable. Okay, so no when you say what. three to five things that are unnegotiable, we've just talked before break about, you know, it, you're an athlete or you're a mother or, I, I mean, are those the kind of things you're talking about or, or what do you mean? Can you give some examples? No, I, I give examples in the sense of what three to five things that define who you are as a person okay. in your soul. So take away motherhood, take away fatherhood, athletes. Mm-hmm. These are things that, I, you, things that you value that make you you. So this is stuff like... You don't fold um, for anybody. You pick, um, you, you're, these are things that make you selfish in a good way so that you cannot be blown down. It's kind of like your core values that people build a business on that make their business the best. It's like, let's think about this really easy. Mm-hmm. Let's think of like a good, good old fashioned, like Italian or Polish sandwich shop. Okay. You know, they got, you got, you got value, me at sandwich shop. I'm with you. Yeah. <laughs> they value you know, the mustard that they put on their thing. This is what makes a good sandwich. The bread that they use. You know, the same dude that they get their meats from every year for the last 30 years. You know, it's the values that make that sandwich the best. It's the values that make you the best or your business the best. So when I got sober, I, I had to figure out three to five things that made me me. That I would never, ever fold again. And you, I always tell people, and this is different for everybody... No less than three and no more than five because you don't want to have too many because it's just too many things and you come become too tight and not too less because you, then it, you know, it, you got to keep a little soul. But these are things where like, you know, you're going to have things in your life where when you get married in a relationship, you know, just because you've always slept on the right side of the bed doesn't mean that, you know, you know, maybe your spouse, maybe that's a better spot for him or her. You know, what sinks you <laughs> yeah. use in your bathroom? You know, right. there's certain things that you have to be flexible on. But like with my wife, I pick me over my wife every single day of the week. I don't care what goes on. And the reason why is because Mm -hmm. I will not drink and do drugs again. It's kind of like on an airplane. They always say if those little air masks come down, you've got to put it on yourself first and then your infant or the old person, the person you can't. Because if I don't pick me first, my wife doesn't have a good husband. I am not. My dogs don't have a good, you know father, I guess, <laughs> however you would want to call that. My employees don't have a guy that signs their paycheck. I pick me first on every single thing. Family values and myself. Well, it, those it, are my two number ones. So, so, I mean, it can be really easy. It can be really easy to say, I'm going to do this for somebody else. I'm going to get sober for somebody else. I'm going to clean up my life for somebody else. I'm going to go to church for somebody else. I'm going to, whatever it is in our life. But really, unless we're doing it for ourselves, all of those things aren't going to stand. 
you know. Those uh, are good for the short yeah. term to get right. you in the door. Exactly. You know, I'm doing but this it for my kids. Be, but I'm doing it has this to be for you. The judge says yeah. I have to do it. I, I'm not doing it because the judge told me not to. But as you go, you've got to you got to pour gas in your own tank now. Yeah. You know, that's what that is. Yeah, it, I, I really like that. So, so. Give me an example again. So three to five things. Can you give an example of what a few of those things are? Because I would I would suggest that everybody that's listening right now, I mean, pull out your phone. You got your phone with you. Pull out a piece of paper. Pull out a pen and start brainstorming. I mean, the, the, this is the real thing. This is your identity. This is who you are. Um, you know, like we were talking about earlier in the show, Ross, you said right from when you were a teenager, if you if you had had some of those convictions and core, core things down, you never would have you know fallen into this path which is a good thing you did because now you're sharing with us but tell us what are some examples of what maybe you've written or some other people that you've worked with have have come up with you know one thing that i don't that i don't move on is is i move at my own pace that is so critical people want to hurry you up in this world they do you know what you know you cannot react to things you have to respond to things and responding means you actually are thinking about it for you know two seconds as opposed to doing impulse moves okay hold on that is that is worth repeating so rather than reacting you need to respond to things and responding just means thinking about it for for a second or two seconds or maybe a couple minutes whatever that is right that's one of my core values. When my wife goes sideways on me, <laughs> I, I don't, you know, and I, hey, I probably deserve it most of the time, yeah, you know, but yeah. she also might be having a bad day. Or the person that you're driving next to at work, they give you, you know, that, that famous middle finger. Think before you start honking your arm and cussing them out, just think for a second. You don't know what they went through during the yeah, day. That's you don't know true. what's going on. Just hold on a minute. Before you start spouting off, before you start reacting, before you start drinking at a situation or going, I'm going to go do drugs over this mm-hmm. situation or whatever it is, yeah. just sit back, sit on it for a hot minute. Yeah. You know, really think about it. That That's a big thing. Well, Never I think I'm going to make that, I think I'm going to make that one of mine, you know, uh, react or no, respond How and don't react. I like cut out of your life? How much drama would you cut out of your life if you take an extra two seconds her thought literally two seconds it just like Good point. just stop <laughs> everybody just simmer down um the other one is, is once you realize who you are don't ever 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 fold yourself to anybody else i did that for everybody i will be whoever this you know very pretty curvy girl <laughs> wants me to be yeah. i i used to do that constantly i was a sellout i would do whatever it took to be that this yeah. guy hung out with, used to hang out with a lot of famous people. I would do whatever I could to get in the backstage of that concert with those people, whatever it took. Now I don't do that. I live in L.A. and I see famous people everywhere. I work with some of them. I don't really, it doesn't matter. Money doesn't influence me anymore. It just, it doesn't. It's just, you do, I do one thing, I do it very well, and I move on. Yeah, I like that because it can be so easy. And I think a great characteristic or quality have is the, is the ability to have compassion for other people and to bring happiness and joy, you know, to the world around you. But I think... Uh, the weakness that comes with that with some of us that maybe have a lot of compassion or like to see other people around us happy is we do sometimes compromise some of our uh, traits or our standards or whatever it is to, to try and make other people happy or become the person they want us to become. Uh, so I love that thought that you stand firm, you know who you want to be and don't become somebody different for somebody else. So 
really powerful advice, Ross. I know you've got so much more advice. We are running out of time on the show. And the real thing that I want to do is I want to give people the ability to get more of you because I've, I know a lot of people have been listening to the show. There have been a lot of comments. I've seen texts come through. I've seen some Facebook messages come through. And they want to know, Ross, how can they connect with you? So uh, what's your website? Uh, can somebody call you? Can they email you? Can they get your book? Give us give us all the ways that people can get. Hundred percent. Yeah, my book is coming out, and we're hoping um, like beginning of like end of November, beginning of mm-hmm. December. It's called Maximum Strength. That'll be coming out then. Um, you can get you can go onto my website, my um, my treatment center here in Los Angeles. It's called Rebos R E B O S, which is sober spelled backwards. So it's Rebos Treatment. Oh, okay. I was wondering about that. Sober spelled backwards. That's great. Yeah. And then um, you can, um, our phone number there is 310-694-5590. My email, I get a lot of questions during the week and I respond to them all. It's just Ross at Rebos, R-E-B-O-S, T is in Tom, X is in X-Ray.com. You can find me on Twitter, on Facebook at just Ross Ramin. And yeah, there's all sorts of, um, our website's got a ton of information, blog posts, for loved ones, for parents, moms, dads, husband, wives, all different subjects. Um, and I'm just, last night, it was up really late. We're filming all new um, little film segments on a variety of subjects that are going to be kind of like a video library for our website on a, just a ton of different topics, like Ross's thoughts, Ross's little wisdoms um, to get you through um, days and situations, stuff that's helped me. I'm not a textbook guy, Allison. You know, at all. I don't get them. Um, I'm just, I share information that has helped me. Um, I try to reword it. I think most of the situations in this world, people get stuck on just vocabulary, plain and simple. Um, and I just try to switch it around a little bit. And if it works for people, great. If it doesn't, you know what, I'll help point you in another direction. Um, I've got a lot of tools at my disposal, and I just, that's what it is. We meet people exactly where they're at, and um, and if I can't help you, I'll tell you I can't help you, but I'll definitely let you know where you can go to get the help. Great. Well, I I, I appreciate that, Ross, and, and really appreciate for what you're doing uh, for the world. Now, you are actually going to be speaking more. Um, is that correct? It is. So I'm going to be speaking at the, the Spirit um, Summit that's coming up in December. I'm going to be speaking at that. Okay. Um, I speak at a yeah, different okay. com- um, drug and alcohol conferences around the country throughout the year. Um, I've, I've got a bunch of different things going on. If you stay tuned to twi- my Twitter and to um, Facebook, um, I'll be popping things up on, yeah. on there. Well, I, I love that. And I'm excited to hear you speak at the Spirit Summit. And I definitely will be there. And if there's anybody listening and they want to come hear Ross to speak there, uh, it's www.spiritsummit.com. Look for Ross's book coming out. Uh, go to the website. I mean, the blog article. It sounds like you're going to have some videos on there. I mean, those are great things if you're wanting support. I mean, I think one thing that we haven't talked very much about on this radio program are the people who have loved ones that are struggling with addiction. I know. You know, when my loved ones were struggling with addiction, that was hard for me. That was really hard. Um, you know, and even having lost some, you know, uh, a cousin to to addiction. I mean, there, there are some pretty traumatic things. So having those articles can be really helpful, too. So, Ross, thank you again so much for being on the show. I encourage you all to connect with him. Hopefully you got some amazing nuggets out of it, too. Uh, and join us next week where we have another guest, more people that have transformed their lives and are working to transform the lives of others. 
So until next week, everybody, uh, we'll see you again on Spotlight. This is Allison H. Larson. Thank you for making us a part of your week. Spotlight, the Allison H. Larson Show, can be heard live every Tuesday at 1 p.m. Eastern Time and 10 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Influencers Channel. Now, go make a difference and be sure to tune in again for the next show. 